What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And man, oh man, am I extra pumped for today's show with the man, Mike Fitch. And Mike is an innovative movement coach with over 20 years experience in the fitness industry. Mike is the creator of multiple movement programs, including Animal Flow, where him and his instructors have taught tens of thousands of individuals around the world. Before we get into today's show, I want to shout out our sponsor. I am so grateful to partner with Kai's energy bars. Kai's are these all natural, only four to six ingredients in each bar. And they're amazing. Whether it's post-workout or you just need a midday pick-me-up, these bars have kept me going the last few months. And the reason that I love this company so much is because I connected with their founder, Jeff. And Jeff is so committed to making an impact in the community that every box of bars they sell, he donates some to kids in Haiti. He's literally making a generational change for the youth overseas. And that is really why I felt this duty and alignment to partner with Kai. So I'm so grateful for them. And they have been generous enough to give this community 15% off their orders. So go to kaisconcepts.com and then put coach Jeremy 305 at checkout so you can get some of these guys. I'm not joking. I don't take or put anything in my body that has any artificial flavors, ingredients. So get on these now, save 15% off coach Jeremy 305 at checkout. Peace. Mike, welcome to the show. Coach Jeremy, what's up, buddy? Oh my goodness. Dude, so pumped. How was that intro, by the way? That was great, man. I feel energized just from hearing it. Let's like go. I, I feel like I just like downed a pot of coffee right now. Let's get it, bro. This was this is honestly like I was telling you a little bit before, I told Santiago the most nervous I've been for a show. I feel good, but like it's pretty dope to have you in here, man. I'm super pumped that we're doing this. Dude, I'm super pumped to be here, man. It's good to be with you. And I'm super excited for your podcast, man. Like, Hell yeah. I think it's a great concept. And I'm, I, this is the first one that I've done standing up. So cool. I Which like I it already. Think, yeah, bro. And for guys like you and me who are preaching movement, it doesn't really make sense to be sad for this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Totally and, and I think this is going to, similar to Animal Flow, how it changed the narrative and introduced a bunch of new things to the fitness space, to the movement culture. I think hopefully that's what we're going to do here. Yeah, I like it. Let's get it, let's bro. Let's get it done. So let's jump right in. Um, Animal Flow. It's obviously... Yes. It's had a huge impact on the world. It's had a huge impact on me just for really opening up my mind and like opening up my heart and getting out of my head. Cause I had the tendency a lot of times to overthink things and worry about how I look or how it feels. And since learning some of the movements and the systems that you created, um, Everything has changed, not just my movement, but other parts of my life I find flow. So I just want your definition, like how, when you, when you hear the word flow, what comes to mind? Man, you know, my concept of flow is always evolving. It's always changing. And so even my understanding of animal flow is always changing. Mm. And, you know, like I always tell people from the time that I sat on the floor with a notebook and started to create the program and start creating the rules and the language from start to finish of the initial, um, you know, the initial animal flow, uh, it was about three or four months. So it took like three or four months to create the program. Mm. It's taken me every day since to learn it. And I feel like whenever I get to the point where I learn it, I've stopped progressing. And so I never want to get to that point. But flow has so many different representations in my life. And so I, I, as an earlier kid, I was a skateboarder. And so like finding flow on the half pipe that I had in the backyard, you know, like that was again, like finding that, that state of like awareness and, and being able to be in the moment and feel effortless. 
then as a teenager, I, I was a musician, and so I still play music today. And so again, there's a, a flow when you're playing with other people and you're interacting with other mm. people. And again, you're maybe no longer having to think about all of the notes or the chords, but you're just like feeling the energy of the group and that flow there. And then of course, animal flow is such a huge part of my life. And so there's flow in everything. You know, there's flow in conversation. There's flow in, in interaction. There's flow in how we exercise. There's flow in the way in which we eat and we live our day. So it's it's it, it's such a huge part of our all of our existence. Hopefully, yeah. No, for sure, bro. I love that. And I know you created it nine years ago, right? Yeah. So it was nine years. What was what was that moment or that thing that triggered you to want to start this? Yeah, so the catalyst came from my own experience of exploring bodyweight disciplines. And so I had been a trainer already for, for quite a bit. And I, I, I had gone down a lot of different, different roads, excuse me, of, as a personal trainer would. And so like, you know, weight training, pre-post rehabilitation, um, sports-specific training, uh, corrective exercise, kettlebells, Olympic lifting, blah, blah, blah. And I was in a phase where I was just lifting a ton of weights. And I was just like, you know what? something doesn't feel right, I need to change. And so I just got into body weight training and started with gymnastics, which led to parkour and break dancing. And so the real thing, the message to me at that point was, man, there's so much here that my clients could benefit from, but they would never go and join an adult gymnastics class or never mm. walk into a parkour gym. So how could I create a system that the barrier for entry was low but it allowed any person or participant who came in the ability to go as deep into the refinement of the movements as they wanted to. And so that was kind of the concept behind Animal Flow is create a movement system to where anyone can come in and if they choose to, they can get as deep as they want to or it can be picked apart and utilized in different scenarios. So whether that be, again, for an athletic team or that be for a therapeutic clinic, so rehabilitation or, you know, uh, movement meditation or whatever it may be. So create a system that can stand alone or it can be pulled apart and used for the individual and the individual's needs. Hell yeah. I love that. It was, you, you came from a place of service. Oh yeah. Like it was like, I, you, you wanted to create something for your clients that would make them feel better. That maybe would help them prevent injuries, avoid pain down the road. And for my experiences implementing it into my client's life and my own life, I feel like hips and spine are such a big focus of the program in terms of mobilizing and just continuing to explore different ways to do so. And everyone I've worked with and implemented these type of movements with has seen unreal results. Mm -hmm. And I love that, like you said, the barriers to entry are super low and then if you want to dive deep like you or Venus or Pay or any of the other instructors, you can go as deep as you want. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned a really, I think a really key word there, which is uh, service or being servants. And, you know, I think as a coach, as an instructor, as a personal trainer, that's what we are. You know, mm. we're, we're servants to, to the experience of the human animal, you know, we're servants to, to make sure that we can optimize the life of the person that we're working with. And that's, that was again, an initial idea in creating, in creating animal flow is how can I be a better servant to the people from which I'm working with. And so now to see where it's at, to where we have a global audience and we have a global connection of trainers to where they can be better servants to the people that they work with. And then it just trickles down from there. But to go further into what you were saying about the hips and spine, we, we definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. Like there's a huge emphasis in animal flow on hips and spine, but we also see it as just total, total body, right? Yeah. So like there's nothing that's not being challenged, activated. There's no tissue, there's no angle that's not being explored. And so when you have a challenge like that, that is ground-based to where both hands and feet are in contact with the floor for the majority of the experience, you know, that's a rich environment for learning. And so the person who's, who's uh, attending the class or the session or whatever, that gives them such an opportunity to learn how their body works and how, mm. it, how they can create or understand the movement puzzle of negotiating the floor with their entire body. And so when you're looking at, at like the abilities there, there's just, there's endless potential for, for learning. And so I think that that is one of the things that, that I love most about the program is 
how it encourages people to explore their own system because so many people are totally disconnected from their bodies. Mm. And unfortunately, when they come into the gym, quite often the experience that they have is, okay, move this object from point A to point B. So now their focus is on that object. Their focus is no longer on how their body moves through space. Mm. And so again, it's just a great opportunity for them to explore the spaces that they either don't in their day-to-day -day life or maybe that they never have. Love that, bro. And yeah, like you said, I mean, we have so many sensory receptors in our hands and our feet. And simply by doing just what we're doing now, standing barefoot and like activating that and like feeling the earth beneath us, right? Activating all the 33 joints and 26 bones in our foot. It, it's crazy. These simple things that we take for granted, how powerful they can be. Yeah. Like, like barefoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, man. I mean, there, there are so many little things that can make a huge impact on someone's existence. And, you know, just standing more, you know, taking off your shoes and walking around, walking on different surfaces, going and being a complete novice at something, you know, all of those mm. things are, are essential in the continuation of our, our, our growth as a human. And so quite often, you know, you, you have this scenario where someone's like, oh, I can't do the things that I used to do. And most of the time it's because you, you stop, you know? And so like when you're talking about someone who loses the ability to deep squat, if you were to continue to deep squat all the way from the time that you were born until the time that you were 90, like in other cultures around the world, you'd never lose that thing. Mm. And so if you continue to use the body the way that it was, for lack of a better word, intended and or designed over our evolutionary biology or over the, the, the span of the, the, human, the human being, um, by honoring the, those movements that we're capable of, you're honoring the system. And there's something huge to me about that message of, you know, to train to last. So what, why are, what are we training for in the first place? And hopefully it's to train to be a better person tomorrow and then a better person a week from then and then a month from then. And so there's no, you know, there's no limitations on our potential. It's just that we quite often as a society, we, we buy this idea that it's okay to just degenerate over time. And that's why we lose the abilities. And it's not the time that, that causes the loss of the ability. It's that you stop doing the thing that gives you the freedom. Mm. And that thing is moving. That's it. Like, so we, we hear it all the time. If you don't use it, you, you lose, lose it. Yeah. And just by simply doing what Mike and I are doing now, if you're watching on video, drinking water, hydrating, not, not using plastic, by the way, for those wondering, and we're just, and we're grounding, like, and we're talking, we're looking each other in the eye. So a few simple things you can do right now, drink more water, take your shoes and socks off, touch the earth, look somebody in the eye, get that oxytocin release and see how that experience goes for you. And then I want to also touch on Mike, cause you, you talked about it just now, the importance of being a novice mm -hmm. and trying new things. Yeah. Talk about why people struggle with this so much and, and how they can get over the hump. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, a phrase and I don't even remember where I heard it, uh, but it was, uh, keep a child's mind, leave the ego behind. And, mm. you know, there's just something very cool about allowing yourself to be shitty at things. And like allowing yourself to step outside of your comfort zone. And uh, as my good friend Ryan Hurst says, embrace the suck. Like it's going to suck when you start something new. You're not going to be good at it. As anyone who is a fitness-based person, so whether that be you're uh, an athlete, you used to be an athlete, you're into CrossFit, you're into whatever, we have a tendency as humans to go towards the things that make us feel comfortable. And so if we're really strong, we're always going to exercise the ability to create strength. If we're always very innately flexible, we may always go towards something that allows us to mm. express our flexibility. And so there's something very cool about challenging someone to go in the exact opposite direction of where they would in, intuitively go or, or be um, drawn towards. And so... I think the message within that is allow yourself to be bad, allow yourself to be new, allow yourself to be novice, you know, go take a dance class, you know, go uh, join like, I don't know, like, like a rugby weekend, you know, team or like go roller skating, go ice skating, go rock climbing, like, because I, I often say this in fitness and health, 
you can tell people that they need to exercise more. They need to have more of caloric expenditure on a daily level on a day, you know, they need to increase their non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Like you can tell people that, but there needs to be some sort of love story there. So there needs mm. to be that they got into moving more because this thing made them enjoy it. And so I think a lot of times that is not in the message mm. that there needs to be that love story. There needs to be like, oh my God, I tried this thing and I wasn't good at it, but I really enjoyed it. And so you'll never know if that thing's out there until you go try a bunch of shit and you're really fucking bad at it. Yeah. And so there's just something there. And I love, there's a freedom within that to just go, you know what? I'm going to go suck at something, but yeah. I might just end up liking it. Hell yeah. What is, what is one thing maybe right now or recently that you are sucking at that you kind of like threw yourself in the fire? Like, yo, I want to improve or I want to learn a new skill. Anything right now? Um, you know, I think, I, I think probably I'm getting back into music again, uh, more so than I have been over the last decade, let's say. And I think it's always very humbling when you go to something you once felt very comfortable at and you, you're a beginner again. And so to me, it was just falling in love again with the skill of being a musician. What type of music do you play? Um, well, I play all acoustic. And so like, I, I like to do a lot of like singer songwriter stuff, you know, um, I love blues. And so for me, it's just like sitting down one person, one guitar and just playing is like, I love it. It's just, it, it, it fills me up so much, but again, to go back and be like, wow, I used to be able to play this thing yeah. well, at least, you know, quote unquote, well, uh, or at least easily. And yeah. so to go back and be challenged again and then push through that, get to the place to where you do feel comfortable again, and then figure out how to challenge yourself again by getting way better than you were before. And so to me right now, that's, that's what's exciting me about learning a skill or a skill acquisition. Have you, do you have any songs that are like you recorded no. in a studio? No. Um, when I was younger, I used to play in like a, like a heavy metal band. Or oh, like, no way. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. And so we, we recorded a couple of demos, you know, and so we were like teenagers. And Fuck so yeah. occasionally the guitarist who was in the band, my buddy Travis, will uh, like send me a tape or like send me a song and I'm like, Wow, we suck so bad, man. But it was so much fun. And at that point, you know, you're you're a teenager and when playing that type of music, it's all about the attitude. You know, and so it's all about like this, you know, like like real like fuck yeah attitude and fuck you attitude and just like, you know, just being in it and being in it together and just allowing pure emotion and adrenaline to just come out through the experience that you're having with the other people, but then also of course the crowd. How cool would it be? I'm just like I could be totally out there with this, but I think it'd be so cool for you to like show up to like a level two that you're teaching and before you teach, like play a song, like, <laughs> and just shock, shock everyone. Like what? Mike, bitch playing the guitar, like singing. No fucking way. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, sometimes uh, I've been known in the past to at retreats, bring a, a guitar and, and play a song or two. Did you bring one to Thailand? Uh, no, no, I didn't bring one because uh, the, the journey there is so extensive. Mm. So I didn't bring one with me that time. How, you were there for a month? Yeah, just under a month. And so we had what we call our master instructor retreat first. And so mm. in Animal Flow, we have our master instructors or MIs who actually teach the certifications. And so we have 18 of those guys now globally. And mm. so once every year and a half or so, we get together as a master instructor team and we just talk about any updates. We get together and just flow. We hang out. We you know, reconnect. And it's just like this very tight-knit family. Then we took a week off and went to uh, a little island called Koh Tao. And so Koh Tao is one of my favorite places in the entire world. It's like this little island that's two hours by ferry outside of Koh Samui, which is a bigger island okay. in, in Thailand. Is it K-O-T-A-Y? K-O-H-T-A-O, Koh Tao. Okay. Never heard of it. So we went there, hung out. A lot of our MIs came with us, and then we had the mentorship. And so the mentorship is about a week long. And so mentorship is for, it's set up for anyone who's taken an animal flow um, workshop. Mm. And so they're eligible to sign up for a mentorship. And so the mentorships are really cool because it allows us to 
to get kind of geeky, but also like get a lot of movement time in with each other. And so, you know, I always tell those guys, the attendees, it's like, look, we're going to have a really strict curriculum. And so, you know, you're going to have lectures, you're going to have flow time, but the most important thing is the spaces in between, you know, it's like hanging out, catching a smoothie with, with somebody who you just met, who's from the other side of the world. And you're like hanging out at the pool, talking about the, the similarities or the differences in your cultures or like how you love this movement or like, it just gives you such an opportunity to connect with people that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do the same way online or through social media. Mm. Since you mentioned social media, I'm wondering 10 years ago, give or take, when you were creating this program, when you were in this space, how do you think things would have been different for you? Like, do you ever think about that? Like if you would have grown up in that time with Instagram being so prominent, especially in the fitness industry, like, do you ever think about what type of impact that would have had? You know, uh, so social media has been a huge part of the growth of animal flow, but I have to say on a personal level, I fucking hate social media, man. I, I think it can be a wasteland. It doesn't mean that it can't also be super positive. Mm. So in saying that, um, whenever I first started with global bodyweight training, at that time, I was just putting out videos on creative calisthenics stuff. And so at that time, it was mostly just YouTube. And so Facebook was there. Facebook, some people were kind of just getting ramped up with Facebook. Some people had been on it a long time. But there definitely wasn't Instagram and, and some of the other social platforms that are out there now. And so it was interesting because with YouTube, it, it opens the door for anyone to have a voice. And so, you know, you can put out a video and it's someone had once equated it to a bathroom wall, like in a gas station, you know, bathroom where it's just like, there's, you know, pictures of dicks. And then sometimes there's like <laughs> someone's number and there's, you know, there's shit just, everywhere. There's shit everywhere. And so some of those comments are good, some are, some are constructive, but it's just, it's quite often just really just, just vomit from people. Mm. So, but it, it was like the, the wild west then, like, you know, like it was so undiscovered for a lot of people, like growing a business using YouTube. And so we had a couple of, like I already mentioned, Ryan Hurst from GMB. He started around the same time, as well as this guy, Al Cavadlo, who's a big calisthenics guy. Yeah. And so like, you know- You were recently with him, I think I saw yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came to Boulder, uh, he and his wife, Grace, and, and the child and their, their kids. So, uh, sorry, I don't remember the child's name, Al, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, good, Al. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so, so I was saying, and then before that you had like the, the bar stars and a lot of those calisthenics Kings and those guys who were kind of predated us by, by a few years. But, um, at that time it was just, there was a lot of energy around like sharing stuff with other people because like, you know, it could range anywhere from tutorials to just kind of like show off videos to whatever, but you could start to see the impact of how, this thing was growing and how like, you know, how anyone could create content and could put it out there, whether it were good or bad, and it would get a response. And then fast forward 10 years, uh, we're, we're now of course figuring out as a brand, as a company, how to utilize the social platforms to get more eyes and get more awareness on, on what our movement and our message is. But I don't know how I would do things differently if all of that were available right now. You know, I think it's, it's a tough place right now to begin from nowhere, to begin with nothing, I should say. Yeah. Doesn't mean that's not possible, but I think that there's so much competition that you have to be extremely clear in what your message is or what your why is. Mm. What is, what's like the mission statement of Animal Flow or Global Body Weight Training? Um, so Animal Flow, the, the mission statement really is affect as many people as you can. Mm. And so that's why we started with the fit pros first. So we wanted to affect the people that affect more people. Mm. And so that's why our business plan in the beginning was not like go to general pop. We knew that if we really wanted to make an impact in people's lives, we would start with the people who work with people in a professional fitness way. And so that's why in the beginning, it was all about the certifications. And then now over time, you know, people would come to us and be like, you're not fully maximizing on your potential because from an outsider, 
we weren't doing the things to reach more of like the general population. We weren't putting a lot of our information mm -hmm. out there. And so, but that was the strategy is, you know, because you can put something out there and use um, paid posts and use sponsored posts and, and create advertisement. And I think that's really great, but there's just something still so powerful about someone going, hey, dude, I know you, I love this thing, you might like it too. And so I think that in-person interaction, which we were talking about earlier, can be so often lost in the technology digital age, mm. having that interaction in a human way where we're having this experience together, or I love this experience so much, I wanna tell my friend about it. Like that to me creates those lifelong changes. Like that gives potential for someone to go, oh man, this is not just a thing I bought online. You know, not that that's not a way to get involved in something, um, but there's just something about the, the interaction. Yeah. And I love the intention that you had around first wanting to hit the fit professionals. And I know, I think, were you guys doing all equinoxes around the country? So let's see, about a year after we launched Animal Flow, I went back in and kind of demonstrated some of the things that I was working with at the time. So mm. global bodyweight training and Animal Flow actually was a, a movement part of what the original bodyweight athlete was essentially at that time. And so yeah. it was kind of calisthenics as one part of the program, progressive calisthenics. And then the movement side was animal flow. And so I went back in and talked to a good friend of mine, David Harris, who at the time was one of the leads of, of PT uh, globally for Equinox. And so I was just like, hey man, I have this thing that I wanna share with you. And so he brought me in and we talked you know, at headquarters EQ uh, in New York City. And he was like, let me just put together a group of our kind of best trainers and just bring them through it. And so that was their introduction to Animal Flow. And right away, we saw it as a really nice fit. And so we did a year exclusivity with them. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really interesting ride with them because they, Equinox, if you don't know what Equinox is, it's a, a gym chain that they, they've done some really amazing things and they've done things really in really different light than a lot of other chains at least at that time. Yeah. And so for me, that, that was the first gym chain that I knew of that was putting a lot of money and resources into educating the trainers. And so they actually had their own Equinox kind of academy that they were putting the trainers through and it was very extensive. Yeah. And so I knew like, this is a brand that I want to align with. And so to be able to go back all these years later after working for them and be able to say like, hey, I've got this thing and them being like, yeah, cool, show us what it is. It was just, it was just a great feeling because you, know, you, you want to think the relationships that you've made are going to hold up and that you'll have the ability to, to call on somebody or go back and the work that you did at a place will resonate and will still be long lasting, but you never actually know until you're given an opportunity like that. And so it was very cool to be able to come back to a company that I once worked for and share this thing with them. And then us all realize, yeah, let's do this together. So it was a really interesting experience. But then also what it allowed me to do is they have a major PR machine. Like they are a major PR machine. Everything from the way in which they design their ads to the way in which they, they, they the message of Equinox. And so they did what Equinox does and they put me on every talk show. And I did a lot of, uh, you know, magazine interviews. And it was, it was kind of like a fast track into how do you take this thing that's still very new and how do you take a message that to you is so big and put it into like a 15 second soundbite? Mm. Or like, you know, you get these, these questions that the magazines want to know, like how many calories do you burn in an animal flow workout? And it's, that depends on who you are. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on, on so many factors. And again, like you said, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is not how many calories am I going to burn in this 45 to 60 minute class. It's how can I move my body in as many ways as possible? How can I reconnect with my system? How can I connect with other people? How can I connect with this song that's allowing me to, to, to influence my own body and get more out of it? There's just so many things there. So it's, it's, it's a question that to me is, is not answerable. Like it's an unanswerable question. You know, it's, it's, it's like asking someone li why they, they like a specific food or, you know, it's, it's just, you can't answer that. Yeah. And so um, it did give me a lot of experience in 
how do you still maintain the integrity of a message that you're trying to spread globally? And sometimes you just have to say like, look, I can't answer that. You know, mm. like I'm not willing to answer that. I'm not willing to play the game of, this is what people, gets people excited about fitness. Yeah. And so when you have the why, you have the message, it's, it's easy to hold the integrity as long as you remind yourself that, that no one's gonna understand it the way you do. Yeah. And so only you get to decide the parameters and the way in which you're going to deliver it. Mm. I think something that's really powerful that we can all take out of that is the fact that here's like a gym that you used to work for, mm -hmm. still on very good terms, obviously. You go to HQ and they give you the opportunity to like put this in and make it part of their education. And then they're giving you all this exposure which I'm sure has helped blossom the program exponentially in like a shorter time period than you would have maybe initially needed. But I'm wondering how many people listening right now, like you either got fired from a job or you left a job and then you talk shit about a boss or a colleague or something like that without really understanding like how that can affect you moving forward. It's not gonna do any good to talk shit about anyone. Yeah. And if you can stay on good terms, stay civil and like really communicate effectively, that's just some of the pot potential things that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, even if you do get fired from a job, you know, there, there, are, there are multiple opportunities there to, sure, you can be pissed off. Sure, you can say like, I'm the victim, I didn't do that. Or you can take ownership of it and yeah. just go like, I wasn't meeting your expectations or I, messed up in this way and I apologize. Hopefully we can work together in the future. Mm. And, you know, and there's just something really to be said about holding that integrity and holding in that space, whether it be in a relationship and a friendship and a, a worker employee relationship. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, because one thing that, one thing that I think stands out about you, one of the many things is like when you teach and when you talk, the way you carry yourself, I feel like there's very little dogma. Mm -hmm. Like when when I listen to you talk about, you know, animal flow or just movement in general, it's you you never come from a place of ego like, yo, this is the best way or this is the only way. Yeah. So I'm wondering like have you ever butted heads with any of these other people in the movement space or like and, and you you're the first to admit like you didn't create these animal moves. Yeah. You were you just did an incredible job of making it into a digestible system mm -hmm. with a language, yeah. which is fucking incredible. You systematized it and systems are everything. Yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering like this idea of dogma mm. and have you ever confronted it? And has, I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a great question, man. And it's something that comes up a lot in the movement space. And so, you know, look, I, like you said, I'm, I'm always the first one to say, like, I didn't create animal locomotion, and animal locomotion is only a small part of animal flow. You know, our true message is always animal flow. The animal and animal flow is the human animal. And when we're talking about animal flow, it's encouraging better communication and functionality of the human animal. And so the system is what sets it, I think, apart, is that in the system of animal flow, there is a language, there are parameters, there are rules. And the thing that that gives you is that system eventually gives you freedom. Mm -hmm. And this is what we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, you, if you just go up to someone and you go, hey, dance for me. And they don't know how to dance, they don't have any experience dancing, they don't, they don't know what to do. Or you put a guitar in their hand, you say, hey, play this for me. But you teach someone three chords or you teach someone three steps. And then you say, cool, now go play with that and have fun. Yeah. Eventually it can evolve, evolve into anything. You know, three chords can play endless amounts of songs. Mm. You know, three steps could create endless amounts of dance, you know, dance uh, choreographies or, or numbers or whatever. And so within the system gives you the freedom. And so I think there are some other systems that over romanticize, all you have to do is move. All you have to do is move. And yes, move more, but Sometimes you have to show a person in which the ways that they can move are possible. Then that over time gives them the freedom. So it's like putting in the reps. Mm. And so before we started, we were talking about whenever you are trying to acquire a skill, 
there is this, sometimes I don't want to say lost art because that's a very big generalization, but almost in, in most, in the current scenario, a forgotten art of putting in the time, putting in the reps, putting in more than your allotted 45 to 60 minutes per day. You know, sometimes if you really want to acquire something, that means you're putting hours into it, which is, goes back to the love story thing because you love it so much. Yeah. You're, you're addicted to it. So anyways, to, to answer your, your first question, there, there is not a lot of, there's no dogma in me. Like if you get to the point where you say, this is the best system, this is the only system you need, you know you're full of shit. Like yeah. if you're saying that, you know that the human body is too complex to say, this is the one key that's everyone's answer. Yeah. That's total bullshit. Yeah. You know, just like you can never say this is the right diet for every single person. Right. This is the perfect exercise for every single person. We are infinitely complex as human beings. And so we're lucky to have all of those variables within our system. And so you can never say, you can never say this is the way. Whenever you say this is the way, you're lost. Mm. You're lost as an instructor, you're lost as a coach. And I understand from a marketing perspective, it's, it can be a strong message. And sometimes that's even a strategy in of itself is going, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. So I'm going to say, this is better than that. Screw that guy. I'm better than him. You know, and so some people take on this personality persona that is, it's a character. And I fully understand that. And I definitely am not bothered or affected by that in the least. Mm. And so whenever people reach out, and even if they're coming from a confrontational space, it just doesn't stick to me because I, I just don't care. You know, like I, I care about the people who are positive. I care about the people who are making changes in people's lives that are all about uh, good vibes and positive energy. You know, like I, if, if you come at me with some sort of conflict or, or some sort of attitude, you just, you don't even, you don't even exist in my space, man. Mm. And so Animal Flow has always been about not having that dogma. It's always been about going, if someone comes up and you're like, hey, what do you think about that? Cool. Sounds cool to me. Do you enjoy it? Awesome. You know, yeah. what do you think about this system? I don't know that much about it, but sounds cool. You know, yeah. or or maybe I do know a lot about it. And I just go, here are the differences between what we do, here, here are the similarities. And I think anytime that you want to speak intelligently on another system, you have to know the other system really well. Yeah. That way, once you know whatever it is that you are prideful of or are trying to teach, you understand another system, you can go, again, here are the similarities, here are the differences, you know what works really well? Probably them together. Yeah, and I recently saw you were doing stuff with one of the guys from uh, Functional Range Conditioning, right? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Dr. Spina's work and all the FRC um, instructors are just incredibly good, good people, man. Yeah, super knowledgeable. And I know a lot of the inspiration for animal flow in terms of like the anatomy part came from Thomas Myers, right? So to be honest, a lot of my anatomy knowledge came from Paul Cech okay. and Vladimir Yanda's work. Mm. And so that was at the time, they were very influential uh, and because Czech uses a lot of Yanda's work. They're very influential to my understanding of muscular subsystems, so like slings and chains. And at that time, the word fascia was not something that was even spoken about. Yeah. Like it was just not, not even a thing. And so now, all these years later, you, you can't be in the fitness world without knowing you know, anatomy trains, knowing Thomas Myers, knowing what fascia is. And so it's, it's cool that now when anatomy trains come, came out, I reading that book, like definitely changed the way that I saw the body, but it just kind of built upon my, my underlying understanding. Mm. And then now to know Thomas Myers and know that he's like a big advocate of animal flow. It's like, it's such a, you know, it's such a, a cool moment where you're like, yeah, this guy I look up to, he enjoys the things that we're doing that we're pushing out there as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Paul Check man is fucking unbelievable. Like I met him at paleo FX a couple of years ago uh -huh. and he was teaching a workshop and there's a kid in the group who had some sort of developmental issue, mm -hmm. it appeared. And like he would walk and his arms wouldn't move, mm -hmm. right? And his gait pattern was a little off. And Paul did like a little work with him, talked to him for like 20 or 30 seconds, asked about like his relationship with his mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And like right away was like, like seeing him. 
And then two minutes later, asked the kid to walk again. And it was like, everything was synchronized. Mm -hmm. The contralateral pattern, everything. And I was like, this dude's on another level. Well, Paul is on another level, you know? And I think that's where people, so he was ahead of his time 20 years ago. And so now he's continued to evolve. And so I think where he's at now can almost scare people because they're like, oh, that's too, that's too woo woo. That's too far for me. But he's just continued his path of evolution. And so now, you know, he's encouraging the plant medicine journeys and like, he's, he's very much in that space of, of holistic living. And he's always pushed that word holistic. Um, now I think holistic can be, can be distorted just like functional training can be distorted, yeah. you know, but he's continued his evolution and, and his abilities as a healer are, are incredible, man. I mean, they're, they're, they, he, I, I've seen other scenarios like that where, where the emotional ties or bonds create a physical reaction in somebody. And so where someone may, a practitioner may come in and see this quote unquote problem as soft tissue as bone as structure they're forgetting the other side mm. so the the mental side they're forgetting the psyche they're forgetting all these other things that make up the human you know and it's it's like it's it's almost ironic that mind body as if you have to say that there's like a separation yeah you know it's it's always one you know what's what's in the mind is in the body what's in the body is in the mind it's it's never separated yeah. You know, and so some, some people that are progressive, like Paul, um, they can do that very well and they can turn other people on to the ability to do that well. Nice. Have you, you mentioned plant medicines. Have you had any journeys yourself? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, when I was in high school and I was experimenting a lot with mushrooms and LSD, I never in a million years would have imagined that it would be such a huge part of like the wellness space now. <laughs> so wild. Oh man, it, it trips me out. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, as an adult, I, I haven't done much, like I haven't done ayahuasca. I haven't even done DMT. Um, but I did learn a lot uh, from mushrooms from LSD when I was younger. Mm. And so there's, there's actually not a strong draw for me because I, I feel like I'm like, oh yeah, I've, I've been there and not that I can't continue to learn from it, but it's like, it's an experiment, experience, experiment that I'm just, I feel like it's not in my space right now. Yeah. When you were doing, when you were doing mushrooms and LSD before, were you doing it like mindfully, like setting intention? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I had a, I had a really, um, progressive group of friends. And so it wasn't about just partying and getting fucked up. It was like, let's go on a journey. And so I grew up in, in Kentucky and there's, there's a lot of beautiful space out there. And so you can go hiking, you can get lost. And, um, yeah, so we would have that experience and it would nine times out of 10 revolve around nature. Yes, dude. That's what it all comes back to. Yeah. Pachamama, mother earth, man. Yeah. And something else that you mentioned, that's, that's crazy, by the way, that you're from Kentucky. I was trying to figure out, like, where's Mike from? He has, he has his 786 number, I think. Like 305. I, 305 number. But, like, you, you have so many roots in Miami. Yeah. And so that's where I thought. But Kentucky, are you a UK fan? No. Um, if I say no, will I ever be able to go back to Kentucky? Uh, you, know, you know, I'm just not a huge sports fan. Yeah, and yeah. so, but, uh, like, people in Kentucky bleed blue, man. Dude. They are fanatics there's no pro sports teams yeah yeah so, so i mean kentucky basketball is like everything. it's everything it's everything so i i left kentucky i grew up in kentucky i left kentucky when i was 17 and moved to los angeles but so i've now lived outside of kentucky longer than i lived in kentucky but of course my my entire family's still there yeah and so i'm actually going at the end of november to to visit and visit some old friends oh yeah but yeah it was interesting you know growing up in kentucky growing up in a super super small town uh, i mentioned this to you earlier but you know grew up my 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 grandfather was the methodist preacher so grew up you know going to church every sunday my family owned the grocery store in town. So it was like, you know, that was the meeting place for most people. My mom worked at the local uh, Christian college as a professor. And so it was just like this tiny little one-stop town. And mm -hmm. um, it was a great place to grow up. Like I wouldn't change that for the world. And do you still keep in touch with all your high school homies? Uh, some of them, yeah. Yeah, so some of them I'm actually still very close with. 
That's so dope, dude. That's so rare, man. Like 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Must have been the mushrooms. Fuck yeah, bro. That shit make, <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, like I just recently, so I've been um, like experimenting with microdosing. I've, 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 I've watched a lot of, uh, and listened to a lot of Paul Stamets work. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like a mushroom doctor, basically. He's researched his stuff for like 30, 40 years. And um, I've experimented with microdosing the last like six to eight weeks like every other day, like a very small amount mm -hmm. and been doing it a couple, with a couple of my clients and we go outside and we flow, man. And it's like, it's really, they've told me it's had a huge impact on like other areas of their life too. That's fantastic. Like being able to disconnect, enjoy their family more. Um, so yeah, nothing but good things to say about awesome. mother mushroom. Uh, you mentioned too, something that caught my attention about not letting any of this negativity really seep in. Mm -hmm. uh, has that been something that you've always had inside of you, like been able to kind of ignore any criticism or I don't want to say criticism because some of that can be positive, but um, to ignore any of this negativity that doesn't serve you? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think getting to that point is a skill. You know, getting to the point to where you just allow everything to slide off of you. And so I would not say that I had that skill already. I say that I would innately avoid unnecessary conflict. Mm. And so that was just part of my being. That was just part of, of growing up. And, and so as an adult, when you have people that attack you, and when I say attack, that can be a comment, it can be a message, it can be whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But when you have someone you have to realize that they're coming from a place of not understanding, mm -hmm. right? And so they're coming from a place of feeling like, one, they have a voice, which is great, but two, not understanding what it is that, that your messages or your experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what people have the tendency to do just by our makeup is associate. And so if you see something, you go, oh, well, that's just that. Because in my head, I've seen that thing. And so that to me looks like that thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna talk shit. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it, I eventually had to get to that point to where it was just going, look, man, I know that you're not trying to hurt me. I know that you don't even know me. So yeah. you can't come from a place to where you can affect me because you don't know me. Yeah. And so I think there's something about just understanding that because someone has the ability to reach you through a message or a comment, doesn't mean that they should have the ability to reach you on a mental level. Mm. And so it doesn't mean that they should be able to affect your day. Yeah, you know, and so I think there's just something about giving yourself this this armor that uh, that allows the good things in, but then the other things just slide right off. Yeah, and so you know, we 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 often say like if someone reaches out and they're like, you know, oh, animal flow is bullshit. It's just capoeira, and we always respond with, oh man, if you like capoeira, you'd probably really like animal flow. Go to yeah. animalflow.com. Yeah, you know, and it's just it it opens an, a conversation Hell yeah. versus just going, no, it's not. Fuck you. You know, it's, it's like it opens this opportunity to go, you know what, you might really like this thing. If you like that other thing that you're defending, you might really like this thing too. Yeah. Go check it out. Hell yeah. So not being so reactive. And I think also coming from a place of compassion yeah. and empathy, like if someone you don't even know is like spitting venom at you, like what type of place are they coming from if they're spending time consuming something that you put out and they're spitting venom? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So understanding like, okay, this person's coming from a place that we should understand and have empathy for. Without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Because again, it, echoing what you're saying is, is for in whatever, whatever's happening in their day, their experience, their life, if they feel like that's a productive way to spend their time, then yeah, you, you do need to have empathy for that person because mm. there's so many other things that they could be putting their energy into that are positive, that are growth, that are like continuing to, to experience life versus just creating conflict, living in the negativity. Mm. I have a question for you. Uh, by the way, do you plan on being a father? Like, do you plan on having kids? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It's an interesting topic. My dad and I were so close and my dad was just such a dope dad that I just always remember thinking growing up, uh, I wanna be a dad. I wanna be a dad like my dad was, you know? Right. And so it's something that's still in my experience. It's just right now, it's not in the immediate future. Mm, okay. Um, question though, for the parents listening, 
because I talk to a lot of parents on a consistent basis. What are like three things that they can do, simple things with their kids to have their kids grow up with a more mindful, active life? Yeah. You know, I, I that's a great question. I think probably one of the best things that they can do is ex- experience the thing with the kid, you know? Mm. And so like, I, whenever you're creating these bonds from uh, a mother and a son or daughter or father, you know, it's about having the experience together. And so for, you know, a lot of our animal flow instructors, we see them post videos all the time. There's just like, here's me doing animal flow with my kid. My kid loves it. You know, they're into it. Like it's, it's something that they want to do with me, Mm. you know, and that could be anything. It could be, you know, catching, catching a baseball or, or shooting hoops or whatever. But I think there's just something about being active in a way. So for me and my dad, it was, we would lift weights together. And so my dad was like an avid weightlifter my entire life. And so that was something that we would enjoy together. And so there, you know, there's one thing of supporting a child and going and watching their games, but I think there's just another thing altogether of just setting that that role model of movement is part of what our relationship is. And it's part of something that you need to continue to do the rest of your life. Mm. And so I don't know that I have the three things, but I think that that is one of the most important, at least in my experience, because again, I'm not coming from the place of a parent, right. but of just being able to experience the thing with the, the child, I think is the most important. Hell yeah. And like, like you said, like kids learn from doing. Yeah. Like they, they observe everything too. Yeah. Like if oh, they man. say, if they see dad like moving and being healthy, they're going to naturally be inspired to do those things rather than like telling them like, Hey, lift that up or Hey, go run to that cone. Be better. Yeah. <laughs> the dude, exactly. Is your, is your pop still around? He is. Yeah. So he unfortunately had a really de- uh, debilitating stroke, uh, years back. Mm. And so um, it, af- it, it affected his brain quite a bit. And so he's not nearly as active as he once was, but all the way up until the stroke, he was very active. Is he, is his like neurology, I mean, is he able to like communicate effectively and stuff like he that? He is, yeah. And, and honestly, at this point, if you were to meet him for the first time, you probably wouldn't know for the first couple of minutes. Got it. And so if you're having a conversation with him, you probably wouldn't know until um, a couple of minutes into it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. How, how and, and that happened how long ago? Uh, man, I'm really bad with time, but I, it must have been, oh man, maybe 12 years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting to that stage right now. I'm 29, but my parents had me super late. Like mm-hmm. they were in their early, like, I mean, like 43, my mom was. And they said, I, I wasn't even supposed to, like, they just had fun one night and I came out of it. Thank goodness. Like, my brother used to call me the mistake. He, like, whenever we would get in fights, he's like, bro, you're, you're a mistake. Like, you shouldn't even be here. I'm like, damn, he just dropped the mic. Like, there's nothing I can really say to that. But anyways, like, my parents are in their early 70s. And now it's like, I'm starting to look at them uh, in a kind of different light. Like, I really am doing everything I can to, like, further their health Mm -hmm. and i'm like i have them having putting mushrooms in their coffee like for cognitive function lion's mane and cordyceps stuff like that because that's like one of my biggest fears man is like my parents um not being able to like me not being able to have that level of communication Mm -hmm. and being able to interact with them in a way that i've been able to and i think it's something we oftentimes take for granted like I, I know so many people who live five minutes away from their parents and like see them once a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so how did that, did that experience when that stroke occurred, did that like, how did that affect you? I'm just curious. Yeah, it was devastating to the entire family as you would imagine it would be. Yeah. Um, my parents had already divorced prior to that. And so mm. my dad had remarried and had three very young kids at the time. Mm. Um, incredibly young. And so to have that family dynamic be absolutely, uh, again, devastated is the best word that I can use. Um, it's really hard to watch someone that you love so much and that you care for so much have to go through that and, and watch it almost from afar, you know, and, and because my immediate family was there, I was, I believe, traveling at the time. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough, but it, it definitely, gave me that opportunity to really appreciate the things that we have, you know, appreciate 
still having him here. Appreciate my mom. And, you know, one thing that, that never, I was never lost about was the fact that my parents did such an exceptional job when I grew up, you know, raising me. And mm-hmm. so I was a baby. I was the last one. And so by, I think maybe by the time they got to me, they were just tired. They were just How like, many siblings do you whatever have? you want to do. What's that? How many siblings do you have? Uh, three. Okay. So, so three. Um, so anyway, so, so yeah, like even when I first moved to Los Angeles at a, as, at a 17, at the age of 17, I used to write my parents' notes and just be like, thank you. You know, like, thank you so mm. much because I would meet so many people who had very different stories than I did. You know, they yeah. didn't grow up in uh, a loving household because, you know, I was basically ripped out of this little, this little microcosm of, of the town that I grew up in and transported to Los Angeles, you know, and that was like such a culture shock. And to meet new people who had completely different stories on why they were there or how they grew up. And it was just, it gave me a lot of pride in the way in which I grew up in a really loving family. And so I would, I would express that to them, you know? And so I think years later when my dad had the stroke, it it again reignited that like, wow, I was so fortunate. I was so fortunate to grow up in the family that I did. Mm. Was there any pressure growing up to like get involved with the church? No, no, not really. Uh, My dad, so we would go to church every Sunday. And then whenever I was the last one in the house, he would basically, he said, look, I'm going to invite you every Sunday. And he said, at this point, I think I was maybe 14 or so. he said, you know, if you decide that you don't want to join, he said, I'm, I'm okay with that. And so at that point I just said, okay, you know, I, uh, this doesn't necessarily resonate with me at this point. So I'm going to explore some other things. Wow, dude. Like that's, that's like, that's really dope to give you that option at, at such a young age. I feel like your childhood really shaped you to everything you are today and everything you've created. Without a doubt. Like, it's really cool, like, how everything has evolved for you. And, like, each I – can, I can almost, like, track each of these steps growing up in the small town, mm-hmm. doing mushrooms with your boys, like, connecting with nature, creating – going all these travels, creating animal flow, and sharing it with the world, bro. It's fucking – it's so dope to kind of, like, track your journey. Mm. You know, and like, I feel like we don't do it often enough. Like we're so stuck in the hamster yeah. wheel sometimes. Of what's next. I think, yeah. you're, I think you're absolutely right. You know, there is, we, we do need, I think as, as people to get better at reflection and like going back and going, what was the catalyst? What was the turning point that made me make this decision? And then realizing whether it seemed good or bad at the time, it was the decision that needed to be made. Yeah. You know, and so not having that regret of, oh, I wish I would have done something differently, but appreciating the fact that that brought you to where you are now for better or for worse. And then realizing that going forward, you still have those same opportunities to make life changing decisions. Fuck yeah. What is something that, speaking of what's next? Yeah. So this this evolution of animal flow that's been done with so much intention, starting off with instructors, then coming out with DVDs and then really expanding worldwide. And now with the app coming out recently, that looks fucking incredible. So we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Like what is on top of mind for you in terms of yourself, your evolution, and then the brand as well? So what we just launched, which you were uh, referring to, is what we, what's known as the Animal Flow On Demand channel. Mm. And so essentially it's, it's a platform to where you could find it on your smart TV or you can access it from your tablet or your desktop or your phone. And it does have a corresponding app. And so with that, that was our intention to, okay, we do something like 200, I think next, next year we'll have 250 workshops globally. Wow. So we're still continuing to certify people who teach other people. But now we're trying to reach the person who is not going to go to a personal trainer or potentially wouldn't go to a personal trainer first thing or go into an, an attended class first thing. So we want to reach those people at home and give them the opportunity to experience animal flow and see if they like it. You know, For them, it might be that thing that causes them to be uncomfortable that they're like, oh, but I love this thing. Yeah. So that's our, our latest like evolution of our our understanding of the program and how we can potentially reach more people is we put out the on-demand platform which has all the level one and level two tutorials it Mm. has um, a bunch of different class formats so we have uh in each 
class format has like a different different focus. So we have some classes that are more flow focused, some classes that are more mobility flow focused, some classes that are more like high intensity interval focused. Mm. And then uh, we have flows. So we just have a whole bank of flows in there that range from easy, intermediate to advanced. And then every Monday we come out with a new flow. And who are the people in the content? Is it all you? Is it different instructors? So we, everything that's in the platform now is from our last shoot that we did in Los Angeles. And so in that shoot, we have uh, a couple of our Canadian master instructors. Then we have um, some of our local instructors. So like you mentioned Venus earlier, Venus mm. is in, in some of the classes. And so we oftentimes use the local instructors to do the, sh the shoot. And then we'll have a couple of our masters come in and teach different flows. Yeah. So that way it's not only me, we also get to like highlight and showcase our other master instructors oh, as well yeah. as our instructors who are in the background. Because I've seen some of the videos from the previous program and guys, I'm telling you, they're so descriptive from anywhere. I mean, just teaching you how to do a push-up and really activating the certain areas that you need to and really avoiding common pitfalls, like you really break down detail by detail, which I think is so important, especially for someone who's kind of just getting started. Yeah. So they can avoid the bad habits and really start and build momentum right away. Um, and again, I just want to say for everyone listening, like animal flow, you're, you probably have somewhat of an idea of what it is. And it's so powerful because it's giving all the power to you and your body. Like we're often told whether it's take this pill or drink this special concoction or lift this weight, those, those things have their purpose, but there's something so uh, so powerful and special about just your body. Like if you're traveling, you don't need anything. You don't need yeah. the band. You don't need that heavy kettlebell. Like those are great tools, but you don't need them. All you need is yourself. Yeah. And I think it's a, a great message that people need to hear more of. Man, it, that is the message that got me into bodyweight training in the first place. There was just something so powerful about the idea that you, you, every person out there that's listening to this is the most sophisticated piece of exercise machinery. Like they are the most sophisticated, the best tool that they're, that's ever going to be designed by, by man. Yeah. Like they are the machine. And so just taking that into consideration of knowing that you don't need, there's no thing that you're missing, right? There's mm. no magic thing that like, oh, thank God I got this, you know, whatever it is, like whatever the tool may be, you already are the tool, like you are the greatest tool. And yeah. so, so yes, other implements, other modalities can be incredibly beneficial because it can also be, and it is very beneficial for the system to lift external load right. and to be loaded with external load. But there's so much we can learn and explore within our own body just by using our own body weight. Yeah, and I, I try and I try and empower people, like don't judge yourself through the process, like have a conversation with yourself. Like, oh, the tissues around your wrist are tight. Maybe that's because you're texting or typing a lot throughout the day. It's just a really good tool to bring awareness yeah. to your body and what areas you need to show more attention and love to, I think. Um, dude, this is fucking dope. I could go rap forever with you. I wanna um, get into a rapid fire, all right? So quick responses, <laughs> okay. quick responses. Don't think about it. Find your flow. Favorite emoji. Favorite emoji? Uh, I think just the la the the like crying laughing emoji. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you do that a lot? Yeah. Like um, I I think for me I just have like explosive laughter. So I'm one of those people that just have this like really robust like out of nowhere almost like grenade of laughter. And yes. so for me I'm just like oh this explains me. And I'm not a huge emoji person, but okay. like for me I'm just like yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Biggest pet peeve. Uh. People talking shit. Hmm. To behind your back. No, not even necessarily to me, but yeah. just again, just like, ah, oh, today is a terrible day because of this and that, or mm. like that person pisses me off, or it's just, it because it can be so contagious. Yeah, and they're yeah. in defense mode. They're in right. react mode. Right. And we're in proactive mode. Um, I want to know a book or movie that has impacted you the most, the first one that comes to mind. Uh, I think Move Your DNA, I think Katie Bowman. I mm. oftentimes mention that that book, but it is one of those books. And she has a series of books. She's an yeah. incredible author. Uh, but that was my book, that that was my introduction to her work. And realizing again that how essential it is to who we are to just 
to just move in multiple ways every single day. But then also um, Muscles and Meridians is a really incredible book from an evolutionary uh, biology standpoint and looking at like how we've evolved and why we've evolved and then also looking at how the archetypal posture is for us like squatting, sitting, sitting cross-legged, like sitting on the ground, interacting with the ground are so important to who we are. Mm. Okay. It's your last supper. All right. Well, you'll, you'll probably be standing like this barefoot. Three people, you get to fill this table. I can't be one of them. Uh, no family members either, all right? Dead or alive, three people. Oh, man. I, dude, I don't know. That's that's really, really tough. Um, I, I think... <laughs> Let's go, Mike. Uh, I mean, I, I think coming from... Uh, shit, man. Three people. I mean, I think, I think probably... Four the, or five. Who comes to mind first? Um, look, I think for me, there's, there's a, a, a theatrical aspect of, of sometimes I really enjoy like watching someone play a character. Mm. And so like, for me, I, I think I would really, this is going to sound super stupid, but like, I think the, the character that Jim Morrison played as mm. himself, mm. I, I think was a really intriguing character. Mm. And so I'm not saying like the, what Val Kilmer played of him. I just think that like, like he, as, as a poet, as a musician, as a lyricist, I think he was a great talent, but also he understood how to play the role. And so mm. I, I don't even know why that came to mind, but I think Jim Morrison, I think someone who also is, is a character that I would really enjoy being around is Matthew McConaughey. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like that dude and his accent, he just reminds me of so many people that I grew up with. You know, so I, I, I think- He's uh, a Texas guy, right? I think he's originally from Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think he's, he's an interesting dude. Um, and one then more spot. I think, I think the last one just off the top of my head would have to be Paul check again, like talking about someone who really influenced me over the years. I would just say like, I would love to sit down and, and talk to Paul for a while. Now let's get a little female energy there. One woman. <laughs> Can it be family? Sure. Okay. Then I would say my mom, cause yeah. my mom is hysterical. And if I had that type of lineup, I'd be like, throw my mom in there. It'd be let's incredible. Let's go. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're gonna, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get like a, we're gonna crop up a picture of a dinner table with you and those four people. I'm just gonna need a pic of your mom. We'll get the other three. Um, Dude, Mike, I wanna acknowledge you, bro, because seriously, this has been an amazing experience having to connect with you and the impact that you've made, bro, and just with integrity, with intention every step of the way. And for someone like me who, um, who never really had someone to like look up to in the space. Uh, you've been one of those people that I've really admired from afar and having the chance to take a workshop with you and learn from you in person was so powerful and profound. And I just wanna thank you for all the work that you do and the impact that you're making, man. It's not going unnoticed, obviously. And thank you so much for coming through, bro. Much love, man. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you for the opportunity. It was really great talking to you. And you know, I'm, I'm so proud that you're part of our, our family. Hell yeah, dude. And I want to give the listeners, because I know they're going to want to dive deeper and connect. Where can they find out more info on upcoming certs, yeah. um, on demand? We will link everything in the bio. Yeah. So just www.animalflow.com. Mm. So there, that's, that's the entire website. You can find on demand there. You can find our links to our Instagram and Facebook. So that's the best place. Boom. Simple. Was Simple. it hard to get that website, by the way? No. Really? No. I think we actually did have to I think someone bought it before us and then it was one of those companies where we just bought it from them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I may be, I may be misspeaking on that, but yeah. Crushing it. <laughs> Guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to find your flow and stand up to sitting. <laughs>